0: I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is in my chair. All right. Today I am fortunate enough to be speaking with internationally known and industry powerhouse Patty DuBroth. Her career spanned decades and ranges from countless covers, red carpets, photo shoots, brand ambassadorships. She has a rare career that balances both the celebrity and the fashion editorial makeup world by celebrities, photographers, and brands alike, she's collaborated with elite forces such as Peter Lindbergh, Tom Monroe, and Annie Leibovitz. Uh, also, she's worked with uh, countless A-list celebrities like Margot Robbie, Charlize Theron, Natalie Portman, Naomi Watts, Dakota Johnson, Priyanka Chopra, and basically everybody in Hollywood. Patty has also worked with cosmetic powerhouses Chanel and Dior, and she continues to work bi-coastally in New York and L.A., Patty, welcome to my chair. Hi,
1: Quint. How are you?
0: Hi. Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. It's
1: good to hear your voice. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: I mean, I haven't talked or, or seen anyone in, since basically March. So anytime I can get to like you know have interaction with someone, especially from our industry, it's like you know it's so nice because we're also yeah,
1: not just like peeking on their Instagram to see what they're up to. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah. So my Instagram at this point is like, so recycled there, you know, there's like nothing new oh, to but put it's up.
1: political. I'm like really, it's, really yeah. enjoying your, like, your very strong political voice. Thank you for
0: that. Yeah. That's what, I guess that's what um, COVID has been. I mean, it was about that before, but then really, I guess, cause it, the election came up, you know, mm-hmm. over COVID, it was just like, here's the last chance. I'm just going to put my Twitter account up, my quotes, everything I can. So, you know,
1: It's important to Uh, use our it's important to use our platforms in a way that is, you know, meaningful besides the meaningful aspect of beauty, you know. Yeah.
0: I mean, you're you've always been pretty um, outspoken and use your voice, I feel like.
1: Um, Yeah, sometimes (laughs) sometimes I talk before I think. But yeah.
0: (laughs) How's COVID been? I mean, was this the first time in your life that you actually just stopped?
1: Um, this, no, because I, I had surgery a couple years ago and I had to take a month,
0: okay. in,
1: which seemed so long. And so like, like it was going to be, you know, never ending. So this has been, you know, this is a whole other level. Um, this is the first time in my life that I've been in the same time zone for more than, you know, a couple, like I've been in the same time zone since march and that for me is super bizarre um i've slept at home every night you know i mean except for like a little road trip but yeah I've slept at home every night and that's super bizarre and um and my family seeing me around so much that's you know also been a big change was that
0: an adjustment
1: <laughs> yeah it was definitely an adjustment for everyone Because I'm usually on the road all the time. So they're like living life, you know, with me as an occasional guest. And now I've been a a very, uh, you know, a very central figure here.
0: Yeah, I mean, I got used to in my house being away and using that alone time, kind of, you know, know? and there was no escaping it. I mean, you know, we've done really well, actually, over, you know, the months of it. But I can see how. Like some that that could disrupt things that if you're into your groove, you know.
1: Yeah, I definitely. There was, you know, after after a couple months of being here, I was starting to feel really antsy and really frustrated that I, uh, you know, like you said, didn't have my alone space, which would be hotel rooms when I'd be like on the road and you know, or like being right. in a foreign city and, and going on a, a venture by myself. So. Um, I missed that. So I had to find ways to find alone time, you know, in the midst of being in the house with my family and um, finding adventures that were meaningful to me without going anywhere. If you know what I mean? Right. Yeah.
0: So, I mean, has this been a, an overall negative experience that you, that is just like, um,
1: well, I think it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, no, it's definitely not a negative experience for me. And I don't want to sound, you know, like I'm not aware of the reality of how hard this is for the entire planet. Um, it is right. hard. It's just for me, it's been really a blessing in that I can be with my daughter. Her, It's her last year of high school. And um, so she goes off to college next year. So having this time this year basically to like be with her and my husband all the time has been such an incredible blessing. Um, something that I didn't know that I needed and really, really needed.
0: I mean, I, 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 guess like if you're a mom and your daughter, you've been with her, I don't I'm assuming like 18 or so years mm-hmm. to have her leave is such a huge thing that it probably does feel like, it, like the best kind of bonding experience before that time.
1: Yeah. And again, like, because I used to travel so much, I, I wasn't really, I mean, I was, you know, we loved each other, but I wasn't fully connected to her because I was always away, you know? And so I would dip, dip in and out. So, um, Did you guys talk about that? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. That's really. But
0: but prompted by the, by COVID.
1: Yeah. I was aware of it before, you know, in therapy and, aware you know I was aware of it that it was like it was problematic but it was like it, it is what it it is what it is it's how my life rolls um, right so you know having to really um, readjust and then and then really like we really learned about each other and we really you know came to know each other in a really meaningful way that's wow been, again such a blessing
0: would you have done things differently? Had you known what you know now from COVID?
1: You uh, mean in my career in general, in life?
0: Or as a, you know, a juggling family and career now that you've kind of had this um, discovery over COVID, would it have changed what what decisions you've made in the past?
1: Well... I mean, yes, yes, but also no, because it's just that's the reality of what my career, where my career was taking me, and if I would have mm-hmm. made other choices, I wouldn't have had the career opportunities I had. So, y- you know, yes and no. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah, uh,
0: that's what I find one of the hardest things about our job is it really is feast or famine, and when the iron strikes it's usually at the worst time, like your best friend's wedding or someone's giving birth, but we don't have that luxury of being like, no, I'm not going to do that right now because you don't know if there will be a later, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you say no to that one opportunity, who knows what doors that would have opened. But on the other hand, if you say yes to that opportunity and you miss something meaningful in your life, who knows what the repercussions of that are too. So I mean, it's really, yeah, (laughs) it's always just like, yeah, it's a crapshoot.
0: I feel, yeah, I feel like that's such a big part of our job is like the always, even with any option, like weighing out, okay, do I take this or not? Is it worth it? What are the, you know, it's like, it takes a certain personality type to be able to always be making those assessments on the fly.
1: Yeah, without overthinking them sometimes, (laughs) but also, Um, also not being too spontaneous that you're not kind of thinking out repercussions. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that people who are drawn to this freelance lifestyle are, it takes a certain type of personality that it's not for everyone and people figure out pretty quickly if it's something they can, you know, I would feel in sh- like I'm in shackles if I worked a nine to five. Oh, I just couldn't do it.
1: Oh, same, same,
0: same. But other people need that kind of like, I know when my weekend is, I know what, you know, it's really, it's hard. I, I think for me, that's like the hardest part of our job is, And the most exciting is the uncertainty and also the uncertainty. Yeah. So Patty, where did you grow up?
1: Um, I was born in Germany and we left there when I was like three and then we moved to, um, my dad, my dad's American, my mom's German and, um, we moved back to the United States, the East Coast. So um, we settled in New Jersey, and that's where I grew up until uh, oh, okay. second, the second I graduated high school. I hightailed it out of New Jersey into New York City.
0: And what, what, around what time was that?
1: uh, right when I graduated high school. So
0: no, that, I mean like, was uh, that like?
1: Oh, Oh, that was like 86.
0: Oh my God. I have such a, a, probably a false like idea of what New York was like in 1986. Like I always mm-hmm. think it was probably awesome and gritty and like affordable, but like, and dangerous in a good way, but that's probably not I mean, realistic.
1: It, it was all of those things. I mean, it was gritty. I mean, I, when I first moved to the city, I, I moved to the, um, well, I moved to the Lower East Side and the very, very, like, very, very deep in Alphabet City. So it was, it was intense. And the Lower East Side, I lived on Clinton Street, and now, oh, it's, yeah. you know, Clinton Street is like such yuppieville now. I mean, when I lived, I there, mean, it's, it's like,
0: like two hundred dollar dinnerville, right?
1: Oh yeah, when I lived there, it per was person, like, literally there were junkies on my stoop that I would have to step over. And it was scary. It was real scary. Do you remember
0: how much you were paying for rent?
1: I have no idea, but it was cheap, cheap, cheap. Really cheap. And I I still had to work like many jobs to cover my rent. You know, I had multiple. Right. It
0: wasn't like you could just be an artist because you had no expenses, you know?
1: No. And I didn't really know what it meant to be an artist yet. So I was still like, I mean, I was just like figuring that out. Just like hustling to you know figure it all out
0: so did you move to New York to do makeup
1: um I knew that I liked makeup and I didn't really know what it meant to be a makeup artist but I was gonna figure mm-hmm. it out so yeah I moved to New York to like figure that out and um first stop was getting a job at a makeup counter
0: and oh God, which one was it
1: Um, I worked at Bergdorf Goodman as my first job. Well, actually, my first job was spraying perfume at Bloomingdale's. And then after one day, I was like, no, that's not for me. Um, And then I had my sights set on Bergdorf's and I I got in at a counter there and I worked at the Yves Saint Laurent counter and I was 18. Oh, nice. Yeah. I I, I mean, that was such a
0: hot time for that makeup line, too. Like I can see the images of that. Oh, yeah.
1: I really so like, kind of it. hustled my hustled and lied my way into that job,
0: uh, and I'm it. sure you learned so much, right?
1: Yeah, that was my training. I hadn't hadn't gone to any kind of makeup school or anything. So my first like t- training as a makeup artist, because you know we as we know there was no YouTube to teach um, to teach us. It was uh, you know training through the brand and then practicing at right. the counter. And all those women that would come through and I would just practice and practice on those ladies.
0: I can only imagine the ladies at Bergdorf Goodman in nineteen
1: eighty-six. Oh, it was it was, so I mean, I wish chic. we could see. It was so chic. And um, you know, I remember Pat Wexler was one of my customers. And she really no liked me. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about it like, you know, like many, many years later. Like, remember that?
0: And for people who don't know Pat Wexler, I mean, everybody knows Pat, but she was, she's a cosmetic dermatologist who's one of the most famous and certainly one of the pioneers of modern, uh, you know, cosmetic dermatology. She's in New York and she's amazing. Um, So were, who were, did you know at that time, like who the, the, the greats were in the world of photography, hair and makeup, or how did just like, not at all. I
1: was just, no. I mean, the thing is, is like, unless, I mean, even if you read fashion magazines, you had to dig deep to figure shit out, you know, like you had, or you had to really pay attention. Um, And
0: yeah, people might not have even been credited in the
1: book, right? Yeah. So I was, I mean, I was figuring all that out, but you know, I, I got the tip to like go to the agencies and then when I would, you know, go to the agencies, you couldn't go online and research people. You had to like who they were so I'd go to the agencies and um you know that's how I started getting assisting opportunities and I assisted I assisted so many people I was one of the name drop for us yeah but I mean I was I had like there was a period where I was Francois Nars's first assistant for wow. a couple of years and and um but in addition to that, I mean I when I started started, I assisted Bobby Brown and I assisted um Kevin Aquan and I assisted wow. Mary Greenwell and Stéphane Moray and Linda Cantello and who am I forgetting? And then Francois, of course. I mean those were those were the biggies, yeah. And, it um, was such
0: and um, such a cool time. Like everybody yeah. was like a bona fide real makeup artist. It wasn't like the um, industry it was today, right? It felt yeah. didn't it feel so much smaller?
1: Oh, so much smaller. So that's why I that's why I did get those opportunities to bounce around and work with other artists because it was a small little group. You know, it was a yeah, it was a small little world. Like,
0: do you think if a if an aspiring makeup artist was to ask you like for advice about how to get into the industry, would your, would your advice be valid today?
1: No, I would turn them to someone like a Sam Visser and say, like, talk to Sam, because that's more relevant to what's now, you know, like, because I don't know. Yeah. You know
0: I agree I, I even from when I started, which was a lot you know years after you I, I don't it was a totally different ball game because it was before social media, so I wouldn't exactly. even know what to tell someone. It was like it used to be like test, assist, and test, and yeah. work on your book, and you know eventually I, mean,
1: I, get I, think clientele. That that, I think that that's still potentially relevant, at least the testing and working on your book. But it all looks so different now. Because remember, when we would test, we would, like, have to get actual printed photographs to put in an actual book that yeah. had actual pages. And, you know, you couldn't get those things easily retouched. And it was expensive to, right. like you know, to the testing process and putting together a portfolio. And now it's like And click, I remember click, click 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 click. There were
0: only one in ten tests you did that you actually liked because something was off about every. Oh, it was yeah. the model or the photographer or the hair or you were just like it was like, you know, you had to do ten tests to get one that you would actually feel proud of.
1: Yeah, and you were lucky. I mean if you were lucky enough to, you know, get a hold of it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. Did you have a comp card?
1: Um I must have. I yeah, I must have. I don't have any of those anymore.
0: Oh, that would be so fun to find. Oh, I'm sure wow. you did, because I feel like everybody had oh, you yeah. know, those, you know, almost it was like for people yeah. listening it was almost like a postcard but had like let's say four or five images on the front that you could send out
1: yeah. instead of sending your whole book. Yeah, it was like your Instagram homepage.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. How did you go from working for uh, Francois to doing your own thing?
1: I wanted to move to Paris. So that was like, I when I was assisting him, I li- I was in New York, and I wanted to go spend time in Paris. So um, I broke with him to go move to Paris to work on my own book and to kind of see if I could jumpstart my own career. But I still assisted when he would come to town and then, um, you know, on shows with some of the other artists like Stefan. Um, but it was really, yeah, it was really just so like, okay, it's time for me to really try to do this on my own. And and I was really fortunate when I worked with Francois, I met, you know, photographers like Peter Lindbergh and Patrick DeMarchier, um, Ellen Von Unworth, I mean, we even worked with Avedon and Penn, but, you know, it's not like I went and worked with them on my own. But the others I did. And because they had kind of seen me and knew me from being Francois's assistant, they gave me opportunities.
0: It was like that was a vouch for you that you knew what you were doing.
1: Yeah. Right. And like, they were like, oh yeah, let's book her, you know? And, and Francois was very generous. Like if he wasn't available for something, he would suggest me. So that was how some of my very early opportunities editorially came about. Like even with Mario feel, you know Yeah.
0: Did that feel so intimidating? Like if I had to show up because Francois couldn't be there, I would be like, so scared shitless.
1: Yeah, yes. But I think because it was like it would have it was like with a girl I knew it was like with Christy Turlington. So because I had that connection relationship, it was, you know, a little less you felt protected. Yeah, exactly.
0: Right. So as, still, yeah, that's true. Still
1: scared shitless. Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: yeah. Right. So that was the super the the era of the supermodel.
1: Oh, yeah. Full on full blast. What was yep. that like?
0: Did it feel that way at the time? Like you knew this was something new and different and big?
1: It was, it felt special, but I also didn't know any better that it was, you know, not, that it hadn't been like that all the time. But um, yeah, I was really swept up in that world. You know, I was, I was... Those were my peers, those girls. Right. You know, even though I was an assistant, um, those were the girls I hung out with and had sleepovers with. I mean, I would have sleepovers with Christy and Naomi at the Ritz when they would come to town to Paris for shows. I mean, oh my oh
0: god!
1: Yeah, that's a little yeah, yeah. How I mean, would it, you even it, be able
0: to get up for work?
1: Um, you know, I don't order some room service and then <laughs> <laughs> and then go. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Did you have to change your um, aesthetic or your technique when you went to Paris from New York?
1: No, because I was being taught, like, I was being trained in the fashion world. I mean, you know, when I would assist, you would change your aesthetic depending on the artist you were assisting. You know, Uh like, Stefan had a very specific. Way and then Linda Cantello had a specific way, so that's why it was so beneficial for me to assist multiple people, because I learned different approaches and techniques, and um, and then could really hone in on what made sense for me a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know, it's a, it's a little Francois, you know, the way he contours an eye and it's a, it's a little Stefan in the way he greases it up. And, you know, I made those things mine.
0: Yeah. I I think that that's actually the reason besides like meeting people in the industry, that is the reason to assist and do it for as long as you can, because I mean, there is a limit to it. But you'll never get to peek inside of the world of these masters ever again in your life.
1: Yeah. And, you know, really like to understand what's in their kit and what it means to, you know, show up and have to listen to a team. And, you know, yeah, so much.
0: Were you scared?
1: I mean, I was scared shitless, you know, when I was (laughs) when I was. Franco's assistant, we would work with Madonna a lot. And she would scare me. She was scary.
0: (laughs) Says everyone who's ever been in a room with her, I'm sure.
1: (laughs) And then, you know, we would go to the studio with Mr. Pan. And that was like, you know, a very specific etiquette. And it was intimidating as hell. But I'm so grateful I learned those lessons. Because, you know, you, you don't learn that shit on YouTube and Instagram how to know how how to be on how to be on set how to respectfully be on set how to how to hear what a concept is and um and not just disregard that information and make it your own you have to really hear it and translate it well also there was
0: such a like importance about knowing your references because you were working with people who had an encyclopedia of fashion reference and if you didn't know when they sent one out it was like the scarlet light it would be really embarrassing right.
1: Yeah. And you would have to go to a bookstore or a library if you didn't know those references because you weren't getting on Google to figure it
0: out. Right. Now everyone can go, shit, I don't know who Penelope Tree is. Let me go on my phone and look. Whereas then you really had to know.
1: Exactly.
0: So how long did it take you to develop your own makeup style or develop your artistic style after assisting?
1: I think a long time. I mean, it's just like, like you know, decades of honing in on, okay, this is, this is what I keep doing and what people keep coming back for. So, you know, it was decades for sure.
0: Well, Patty, what do people keep coming back for, would you say?
1: <laughs> That's so weird that I, like, led myself into that awkward question.
0: Oh, well, I was going to ask you eventually anyway, so now it's just, you know... Um, no, I think everybody knows there's something that people come to them because they want. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I think it's the, you know, my my gentle touch when it comes to skin. Um, you know, my, well, I guess, let me backtrack. I guess, you know, my obsession with that skin looking like skin and not covering that. So a gentle touch when it comes to enhancing skin. Um, and then you know, no, I, I'm not, I'm not good at, and I don't like to do very hard lines. So there's always kind of a diffusion to what I do. And, and um when I try to do something with a hard line, it just never looks right to me. So I'm like, well, then, then that's not my thing.
0: So, but what if you're in a situation where you're working with someone and making a huge day rate and the director, the photographer, or the client says, I want exaggerated hard eyeliner, let's say.
1: Yeah. Then I. how gotta, do you
0: then get I've yourself
1: gotta, just got to do it? Right. Just got to uh-huh. do what it. Do you, and,
0: what right? do you tell yourself before that moment? Cause we've all had that feeling where it's like so, something in life where in an instant your body gets the chills and you're like, Oh shit, I've got to make this
1: work. Well, literally I'll pull up pictures. Like I'll find pictures on, you know, online of references, other people's mm-hmm. work. And, um, I'll mimic it to my best ability, really, yeah. And is that um, picture for kind of everyone else
0: or just you?
1: Um, usually just for me. Uh-huh. Or maybe I'll show it as like, I'm. you know, is this kind of what you're thinking? And then I'll use that as a guidepost. I mean, I'm not afraid to like be inspired by something and, and try to recreate to my best ability.
0: And do you feel like you can, when you're at work, do you feel like you can be honest about what what your aesthetic is and isn't?
1: Um, for sure. And, you know, it's pretty rare that someone asks me now to do something that's not in my kind of tool house, you know what I mean? Uh Um, you know, I I don't think that I think that there's so many options of people that, you know, someone would get booked for what they do well, right? Not someone get booked to then like, you know, do something that's so not them. Like no one's going to book me to do Pat McGrath. You know, kind of theatrics, right? That's for sure. And but you know, then- when I've been when I've been in a situation where there has been like, okay, you know, there's a multiple cast and we need to do this also, I'll hire assistants that are good at that thing. And I'm not afraid to like, be like, okay, you're going to be in charge of this. You're going to be in charge of lashes. You're going to be in charge of blah, blah. The things that I'm not good at.
0: Maybe it's just me, but there's this attitude that you have to be able to be able to do anything on a moment and be the best at it or else you're not going to work again.
1: Mm. Well, I mean, I get the, I get the fear in that because like, you know, it's a dime a dozen, you know, (laughs) there's a, there's a lot of artists now. Um, But But I think that there's something to be said for, like, you know, really standing firm, standing true in, like, you know, where your strengths are.
0: And then I think you end up having the clientele who have a certain aesthetic that aligns with yours more.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So how did you deal if you are into doing really hyper realistic skin? How have you been able to do that with the whole Instagram perfection heavy coverage contour thing
1: i don't do it and i mean you know quinn celebrities for the most part i mean there are some who do like a full beat okay there's a there are some there's some right but if you there are a certain sector of celebrity but then there's a, a another sector which i think are really the you know really the real actors, maybe we'll say the actors, not the celebrities. Okay. They don't want that. They don't want that beat face. So they're never, ever, and even the ones you think like, oh, maybe they like to go there, and then they've had that, they don't want that because they don't feel comfortable. Like the bottom line is any makeup that's applied needs to make the wearer feel comfortable. So what is – what makes them comfortable? And then that's what they're going to keep going back to. The person but that makes for them the comfortable. Sake, yeah. The makeup that makes them comfortable.
0: But for the sake of, the, of argument, a large part of our job now is Instagram and social media. You, have, you yeah. must have made a decision that you're going to stick to your guns, but lose a certain audience on Instagram.
1: Sure. Yeah. There's something for everyone. And, you know, there's plenty to go around.
0: Do you feel like because you have your aesthetic that you've missed out on certain opportunities, whether they be sponsorships or number of followers or I mean, you have a lot of followers. So obviously what you're doing is really working. But
1: um, I mean, I guess ju- numbers numbers are relative. I mean, I don't have the millions that you have when you're you enter Kardashian land. But Right. You know, necessarily care about that. Like, that's not what's, you know, that's not what feeds me. Um, And, you know, no, I don't feel like I've lost out on anything, because like, I'm gonna, you know, if as long as I stay true to like, what inspires me and makes me feel good, I, I think that there, there will then it will come whether it's followers or clients or whatever. And then so far as like, not, you know, buying into the Instagram heaviness of it all. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I personally like have made a choice that I'm not going to be the person who's going to retouch my clients, you know, and, and, um, you know, yes, of course. Like you, you take away a blemish here or there. You know, things that you would do with concealer that maybe the camera didn't catch the concealer, but it caught. Or the for bl-
0: bad lighting, a lot of things are just to correct terrible lighting on a red carpet.
1: Right. Oh yeah, of course. But I'm talking about photo. I, I I'm more about like photos I take myself.
0: Oh, um, I see. Okay.
1: Clients and I'm not gonna re- retouch them. I'm not gonna manipulate their face shape and all that jazz. It's not my jam. Um. And the clients that like that, they're going to, you know, be attracted to people who are really good at that kind of stuff. Um, And then, and then I also get a lot of, you know, like people who follow me, maybe it's makeup artists or real people who are so grateful for the fact that I'm showing things with a more kind of real lens, you know, like, especially now that I'm having to, you know, primarily do makeup on myself and present myself people are really grateful that i'm showing the reality of aging and that there is a beauty there and it doesn't have to be you know manipulated whether it's you know by doctors or um or you know estheticians or retouching but that it it can be you know it can be
0: aged in this industry to, um, to do that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you have to be, like, confident, for sure. And, and Are you
0: confident in general?
1: I think I'm pretty confident. I'm kind of, like, take it. Like, I'm just kind of, like, take it or leave it, you know? It is what it is. Like, again, there's plenty to go around. So right. if you don't like my style, I'm not going to change my style for you. I'm going to um, just keep being doing me and, you know, and... And at least I'll be able to sleep at night and feel like I'm right. not like kind of selling my soul,
0: or f- uh, like a phony. Because I, yeah, I I exactly. find like whenever it's not even that you can't do that type of a, a look that you don't think is good. Somebody else does it better, actually. And even when exactly. you say that you delivered it there's always somebody else who's going to deliver what you did and add more on top that the, that person who wants that is going to feel that they feel your hesitation.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I've turned down, I turned down a really famous client that I I've always wanted to work with, but I, I knew that that person was going to want false lashes, and I'm not good at them. So I, I turned that job down a couple of times. Because I just knew, like, it's not what I do well, and so they're going to be disappointed, and I'm going to be a nervous wreck. No one's going to walk away right. happy. So why? It's not worth it.
0: I feel like, though, I mean, you could be good at false lashes. Is it, is it that you don't want to? Because
1: there's um, nothing
0: stopping you from being good at it.
1: I just, they've never been something that makes sense to me. I don't see like different shapes of false lashes, and. Uh-huh. Under- and understand what they're gonna do on an eye. It's not my, you know, you have, you have some things, you see it and you understand it. And some things right. you're like, I, I don't get that. I don't get them. And I've been, actually, it's been one of my COVID projects is working on lashes.
0: I think I did your um lashes once. Remember you we were did. at Grace's house. Oh, you did,
1: <laughs> and it, it makes such a difference. Well, <laughs> it really
0: the only does. reason I got really good at lashes, like is because my big break was working with Mariah and that's all you really, the prerequisite um. is to be able to put like a box in each eye in like 10 minutes. So <laughs> that I got, I just was like, okay, if that' what it takes and then practice makes perfect. It, it, it wasn't, it, it's just like anything, like the more you do it, then you, you just get good at it. And in the beginning, I find with everything I have a pattern of being very nervous and not the fastest learner. And mm-hmm. then I sit on it and then it becomes second nature where it's like you could do it under any circumstance and nothing would break you but that just comes from repetition in some way yeah so back to social media because when i i look at you on social media i think that you are one of the best people at at doing it honestly really? i think that you stay yeah i think you post oh, consistently really? yeah. i think you take really good product shots that are interesting And I think that you find a way to be true to yourself, but also, and this is no side to you, it's that Instagram is a game and you're good at at participating in that game in your own way.
1: That's so funny. Thank you for saying that. Um, Because I, I literally, I don't have a social media person that I've hired. Like people are like, oh, who does your social media? I'm like, me? I'm like figuring it out. I literally am learning how to edit during COVID so I can do Mm -hmm. videos. Um, I'm such it's such like baby steps because I didn't grow. I mean, I'm older than the generation of using computers. Like, you know, easily. Like I didn't learn computers in school. I'm like, I'm learning all this stuff, like just on my own. My daughter helps me sometimes, but like, I'm just figuring it out. And, and I'm trying to not, um, I'm trying to just stay in my lane and not look at what other people do um, and just like be like, okay, this is, this feels right to me. And I'm just going to do it this way. And um,
0: what about doing um, the makeup on yourself? Cause we're so behind the scenes normally that during COVID, like I've even had to be a model and I hate every minute of it. Like, in terms of, like, I don't want to see myself in makeup. I love doing it on other people. But how's that been for you?
1: Um, well, <laughs> funny enough. I mean, enough, you're beautiful. I'm, I
0: can wear makeup really well. So there's that. So,
1: yeah, well, funny enough, like, I didn't wear, I don't, like, prior to, like, when I was young, when I was in my 20s, I wore makeup, you know? And I was, like, my own model. You know what I mean? I, right. And um, And then I just stopped wearing it, you know, unless I was, like, going to a party and, you know, or having to do a work thing, Um, wouldn't wear it. So getting myself down into my makeup studio and in front of my mirror, you know, was like, I I really resisted for the first many months. And then once I kind of like set myself up in there and decided, okay, I'm going to do this. I started, I started wearing makeup all the time. And I would just, yeah. And I would just like practice. It was just a way to like, kind of, you know, new things would come in and I'd practice with them. And so I'd put it on and then I'd be like, Oh, I like this. And then taking photographs as also just like practicing my photography and like working on lighting and things like that. Um, And I started realizing like, Oh, I really like doing this. I like, you know, I like the process of um, transformation and watching myself transform and then editing has been really fun because I can also see it like all in a speeded up version of the transformation. Um, and I, I especially love taking um, product shots. Like I think I would be a still life photographer if I wasn't. A
0: really? Oh my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that that was one of the most boring jobs someone could ever have. It's like taking oh, a picture of a shoe or oh, you know I'm a cosmetic most- bottle.
1: I'm the most boring person in the world, so it's perfect. But I, I
0: like,
1: it. I love like not no person, no human except me, me, my music, and the products, and that's all. And like, and and um, setting them up, <laughs> setting them up for sh- and photographing them. Oh my you God. would not believe my camera roll is basically like all photos of makeup you would think it was like you know like porn or something (laughs) i've actually
0: looked at your i've looked at your product shots because we all have to do them for like award show sponsorships and stuff and i i've looked at yours and thought wow i mean she's really good at it like i you know it was something i always want to get over with and just like move on but i could tell that you're
1: it's because I, I love like setting up little vignettes. Like since I was a little girl, I would like set up little like little vignettes of products or like just set up like even with fruit. I can't sit in front of a fruit bowl and not um rearrange it and and then like take a picture of it. Like I'm a weirdo. And so makeup's <laughs> the same as like it's just like I love setting up little little vignettes and so yeah here we are so i want
0: to i want to ask you about what when something really works and then when it doesn't really work mm-hmm. we've all can work with the the most beautiful actress with the best stylist the best hair and sometimes it is incredible when it's all come together and sometimes you just go oh god that was just not i i could have done better or it could have been better do you have an opinion on what makes something successful or not?
1: Um. Well, I mean, I I know it's gonna sound kind of corny, but energy like you're not always gonna gel with someone, so you're not always gonna be in sync. And so when those moments of like, oh, that didn't really work, it was like, well, you, I think that I see it as like the energy wasn't in sync, so that's that. And, and, uh, you know, maybe you're not meant to be around that person. I know it sounds like very woo woo, but.
0: Right. Well, what what about it? It's someone who you work with a lot and you adore, but. Oh, it was and, just Yeah. Not the best red carpet moment or whatever it is.
1: And that's like life. Not every moment is like, you know, kind of perfect and, and how you think it should be, but it's how it is. Right.
0: And so yeah. when you, I don't know if you've had this experience, but we, when I do a job, a big job, you end up going to Getty Images and start refreshing, like on oh, the God. every ten minutes to see the images come through. If you've ever had, if you ever had an, a, an image come through that you were like, "Oh shit," weren't yeah. didn't love,
1: to oh, yeah, dwell like on that, yeah, for sure. Like there was, um, Margo had a red carpet, and I did this like red glossy eye that in life and in our photographs looked incredible it was like this 70s vibe glossy reddish eye blah blah and then when the getty images started coming in it looked horrible in most lighting except a certain lighting and um and it was like a oh shit moment like oh fuck and you know but then you know we had a conversation about it. It was like, all right, well, I probably wouldn't do that. Hold, on, wait, hold on
0: because I think people can learn something from this, okay. or at least I can. When you say we had a conversation about it, are you going to show up to work the next day and say, can we talk about it? Like who initiated uh, that?
1: No, no, no. I think it was like another time where I was wanting to do something that had like a similar shape and, uh-huh. and, it was brought up like, "Mm, remember on that carpet, how it photographed. Uh," And I was like, Oh yeah. You know? And like, yeah, just like an honest conversation of like, yeah, in some light, it looks great. In some light, it doesn't look great. Like anyone who understands, you know, artistry understands that, 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 you know, yeah. So, you know, just being honest about it, everyone can kind of like move on and grow and not be like a, have your tail between your
0: legs. Do you give yourself an amount of time to beat yourself up and then go, OK, time to move on? Or how does that process work um, out? for you?
1: Yeah, I, I try not to beat myself up too much and too long, because what good is that going to do? It's all done, you know. Right. Yeah. But, you know, enough to like, maybe it's more like instead of beat my beat myself up, it's like more like observe, you know, observe it, really look at it and then try to understand why. And then and then move on with knowledge of like, oh, we'll do that again.
0: So it becomes kind of a, an educational or like a, a moment Absolutely. where you can grow from it,
1: because that's really the yeah.
0: difference between hiring you and a 20 year old is that you've had all of those times in your life where you've learned from good and bad that make you so much more valuable, I think.
1: Yeah, I I would hope so. Yeah. So I'm,
0: I'm curious to know, when you do a red carpet that you feel like is one in your mind, like one of your top, you know, red carpets that you've ever done? Do you do you feel like in terms of in the moment in your creative process, is there a is there a time where you're feeling it like you're like oh this is really this is really good and I know it's just great?
1: Um, I think when you know like all the stars are aligned, you feel like you're making something special for sure. Mm-hmm. And then like if they like you said when the Getty images started com- start coming in and it looks good also then you're like okay yeah that was special but i think you feel it in the moment when something's special for sure
0: are you afraid to change direction when you're working no
1: not at all not at all and you that's why i'm blessed that i'm quick because if direction needs to be changed it's a quick pivot i i feel and
0: like I oh, always, and I and I always come different. to
1: I always come to red carpet um i always come to any kind of a situation armed with two or three ideas, never just one, so that I'm not, I don't have just one thing and, you know, then have to, have to, you know, come up on the spot with a, with an alternate plan. I like to have a plan A, a plan B and a plan C.
0: In your mind, or do you show them on a board or a face chart or?
1: All of the above. Yeah.
0: So you have literally worked with I mean I bet if I just named an actress, um
1: not everybody you know,
0: like almost everybody.
1: Never someone <laughs> what, would say. <laughs>
0: okay. Um how about uh Penelope? Yes. Okay. How about Claire Danes? Yes. I mean, so what is your what would you say is your key to to long lasting relationships with the people that you've worked with over, I mean I don't know how long you've been doing makeup exactly, but I, I feel like so eighty nine, at least twenty year over a twenty year career.
1: Oh no, darling, we're on. I started working in eighty six. Well, I guess eighty seven. We can say um, right. math is
0: like eyelashes. Like that just doesn't make sense to me. So it's like I, you know, thirty.
1: But, that's thirty three years. Thirty two years. Thirty three years. That's how long. Wow. <laughs> um oh and then longevity you know some clients you have a long run with and some it's you know you meet them once and you never see them again or you see them two times in the course of a decade you know like so it's you know it's like it's energies and and it's um luck and timing um, but are you get attached it's hard not to we're so up close and personal with people And I've been hurt, you know, like I've had clients where I thought that, you know, they were, I thought that I was their priority, just like I had made them my priority and then they move on and I'm left kind of stinging and hurt. I mean, hasn't that happened to you?
0: (laughs) A a lot. It's one of my Achilles heels is that Mm -hmm. I, I do meet people who, um, are very adapt, you know, agile and can move and just keep going. And I, I do find that one of the things that I'm always working on is I'm sensitive. I do mm-hmm. feel like I get a, a certain relationship with somebody, and I take it personally. Yeah, and I, it's, it's not something that I that I think is good. I don't think it's good, but I do.
1: It's really hard not to take it personal because you are. Again, we're so intimate. We're right literally breathing the same air with someone you know up in their most yeah. personal space we touch so them you, more than you know we touch them in ways that you know their their family doesn't touch them it's so bizarre what we do
0: have you gotten better then at 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 not getting too attached
1: um yeah i i i I do really try to keep myself detached. And, and if I have a client that I work with a lot, you know, and, and I really spend a lot of time with at work, I'm not going to try to also be friends with them outside of work. Like I'm going to keep it very separate. I like, I really,
0: um, right. But if somebody says we're all in boundaries. Tokyo and we, we have a reservation oh, well, at the best oh, restaurant, yeah. you have to go.
1: No, no, no. That's different. When you're when you're traveling with someone, you you know that you're in for twenty four seven. You can't like go to your room and go to work only and go to your room unless that's the kind of person they are. But if you're on a tour or traveling with them, you have to be prepared for twenty four seven whatever whatever the the group wants.
0: And it's Um, fun. That's one of the things.
1: That's great. Yeah, Yeah, it's one of the best parts of our job. So when you if um, you
0: ever have. Naturally, yep. when when you have a breakup, whether you initiate it or the person, what where do you go? But my I can tap into anger really easily. Like that's something that I don't have to like, you know, like that usually anger and then it turns to like sadness, you know. But what what how do you where do you go when that happens?
1: Yeah, probably the sad place, the rejection place, the like, you know, I don't feel loved thing you know that dumb thing but i have a really great therapist who's worked who i've worked with specifically on that issue um and um and she reminded me of this incredible metaphor and so it's been like the thing that carries me that i carry around with me is she says um and 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 this is a person my therapist understands the world of celebrity so that's how she can give me this jewel she said that um just like like actresses are presented with racks of clothes and trays of jewelry, right? And they can pick whatever they want for that moment to, to for it to be theirs for that moment. Us makeup artists, glam, you know, the, the 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 servants, so to speak, we're also like a piece of jewelry on that tray where they can pick like what is the shiniest object that they want that day. And One day you might be the shiniest object on the tray and the next day you may be the, you know, the the item on the tray that isn't so appealing. So if you can remember it like that, then you're not going to feel like, you know, why am I not always being chosen?
0: But you also have to believe somewhere in that equation that you are going to be a shiny object again or that you are a shiny object now. Um,
1: I think you have to just know that, like. You you're you, and whether they decide to pick you up off the tray or not, that's not going to change your value. Wow, I know deep, right? We're going deep. Well, yeah, it's a, it's
0: it's a hard place. That's something I personally struggle with: is um, having yeah, your fair. value not yeah. fluctuate or be compromised based on external. Um, Things and it's so easy because when you're when you get a lot of um, accolades or your people love what you've done, you, it's so easy to be like, oh wow, I'm I'm doing so well and I'm so great. But the flip side of that is when you're not getting that, then do you feel so bad or you know what I mean? Like I'm trying to find a place where your worth isn't yeah. connected to anything you do. Yeah, that it's just That's, things you do.
1: Yeah, that's why I think it's so important for me to have like a very rich home life, you know, mm-hmm. that feels meaningful so that I'm, yeah, I'm not only relying on the external work stuff to like make me feel like I'm, you know, filled up creatively or, or, you know, socially or any of that.
0: Right. So do you ever compare yourself to others?
1: I mean, of course, it's hard not to, but I, I try think because right,
0: like, social media, it's harder yeah. than ever, right?
1: Yeah, but I really, I really am working on like, not spending time looking at what everyone else is doing, and just like making my own shit, and putting it mm-hmm. out there. And then then working on trying not to like care too much what people say about it, or how people comment. But yeah, trying to just stay in my own lane, that thing. Yeah, easier said than done, for sure.
0: Totally, I, I I find that sometimes, like sometimes, you know what you're supposed to think or what's right, or you're cerebrally can figure it out, but it's also connecting that to your emotional life. That's the real work, right? Because yeah, sure. it's nothing we haven't heard before. It's just how do you carry that with you every day?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's not easy. I mean, it's a challenging career for like our self esteem for sure because it is so based on, you know, looks and um, popularity and yeah, all those things.
0: Are you looking forward to getting back to work?
1: Um. Yeah, I I mean I've worked a little bit in like very okay. sporadically um i kind of like the pace that it's been <laughs> i mean of course i want a bit more but um the slower pace has been good for me for sure so i'm looking forward to like getting back but not but but maintaining some of the slower pace that i've uh, learned to appreciate now like finding more balance in it
0: i agree i think that the world hopefully everyone is kind of coming to that conclusion, especially like in America where everything is so fast, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Patty, where do you see yourself in 10 years?
1: Hmm. Huh. Well, I'll be 62. Oh my God. That's so crazy to hear that come out of my mouth. Numbers Um, are just
0: crazy. Yeah.
1: Oh, I, I probably living in Europe, um, probably I don't know. I, I think like, am I still going to be working then? I don't think I'm ever going to stop working because I love it so much. And there's so many different ways to do this thing. Like makeup, do, being a makeup artist doesn't have to look one way. And that's what I think. Right. Um, That's what I've really learned over this long career because it's, it's had many different versions and faces and opportunities. So, um I'll still be working cuz I love it and and I'll still be involved with the beauty industry but maybe more as a teacher maybe um maybe just in a quieter way you know it doesn't have to be Hollywood and celebrity right. but um yeah still you know I love I love I mean since I was 10 I've been obsessed with cosmetics and beauty so I don't think that that's going to change, so I'm going to like figure out how I can still do it and uh, it feel right for the time.
0: Was I, there's one last thing I wanted to ask? Well, it's not the last thing. I'm not going to let you go that easily. Um, <laughs> I wanted to know. So you started you or were a part of starting. This made me think of when you were talking about in what capacity was starting an agency part of that? Like being involved in the beauty industry in and in a different with a different hat.
1: Um, I didn't, that kind of like, I, I wasn't planning to do that, let's say that was an opportunity that came to me that felt definitely right. Um, and, and as I've now it's six years in, we it's, it's absolutely, absolutely like, um, I feel like it's one of the best choices I ever made because it, it, what I love about it is I feel like I've help to create a place where artists and agents are treated with respect and integrity, um, where I was in different situations with agencies where I didn't feel like myself as an artist was treated with respect or, um, valued in, in a certain way. And so by creating this thing with me and my partners were, we've able to really keep that at the forefront and, um, And that feels really good. And it feels really good to watch others, uh, thrive and flourish and, um, and, and have a safe space where, you know, you know, like if you feel good with your agent and safe with your agency, you are going to be a more confident artist. So having, Mm -hmm. having artists that have that kind of home and situation, um, you know, you can see them flourish and it's great. It's so inspiring.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm so happy that it's worked out because I would think that it's also so much work. And so like anything, I'm not you involved. start a I'm business. Not, yeah.
1: I'm not involved day to day, like to be perfectly uh-huh. honest. So, um, I, I don't want to be, cause I don't think it, w- it's also wouldn't be fair to the other artists if I was like heavily, you know, too, too heavy. Um, too much too heavily you know participating so it's a light participation but it's a it's an overall big picture participation and you know it's really about you know values and that's that's kind of like what i i was brought in and i was like very adamant about setting up
0: wow and i'm also congratulations for keeping it alive during um the pandemic and lockdown. I, you know, I know everybody's had to tighten up and uh, that's yeah, not easy. Yeah.
1: We, um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely hard. We had to furlough a lot of staff and, you know, it's been, it's hard. Um, everyone having to pivot, work from home. It's not easy for sure. But, um, but again, just seeing how resilient people are, you know, it's been really inspiring.
0: That's great. Um, I'd like to play a little game with you. You can oh pick God. one oh or the other. It's just okay. kind of whatever comes to mind. There's no, um, you know, no wrong answers, Patty. Um, I'm going to ask you about one versus the other. and You have to say which one you prefer. So oh, first okay. is Met Ball or Oscars? Met Ball. Cannes or Venice Film Festival? Venice. Wow, I I didn't expect that. Um, Glitter or pigment? Glitter. Gold or silver? Both. A beautiful eye or flawless skin? Skin. Yeah. Mascara or eyeliner? Mascara. Live or pre-recorded? For what? Whatever that means.
1: Oh, um, live.
0: Oh, good. I thought. Um, a shoot on the beach or a shoot in the snow?
1: Oh, the beach, for sure.
0: <laughs> LA girl. Instagram or TikTok?
1: I don't know how to do TikTok, so I guess it's Instagram.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Pre-party or after-party?
1: Pre-party. I'm an old lady.
0: Okay. <laughs> Influencer or influenza?
1: <laughs> oh, God. Neither.
0: <laughs> that's fair <laughs> enough. And the last one, weed or cocktail?
1: Oh, weed, for sure. You know that about me. <laughs> I
0: know. <laughs> Not everybody knows. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was thinking when you were talking about doing the... Um, what the shots of all the cosmetics? I was like, "How stoned would you have to, what I have to be to do that? to Just get in the zone,
1: dude! I am so stoned when I do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Oh my god! And I'm okay. not. Sure. <laughs> that is so funny. I can't, I can't do any of that when we or drink at work. It just, I can't. Oh, poke, I, me
1: either. That's why I like products because I don't have to be a like, you know, I can be around. I can be doing that and in a zone, but I'm not around people. I would I'm never I'm amazed smoke.
0: at people who have weed. to be high to work. There's a lot of weed smoking yeah. work people who work. I'm like I, I, I wouldn't even be able to talk or you know.
1: Yeah, no no no. I I can't smoke weed. Um I can't smoke weed around clients. I've learned the hard <laughs> way. That does not does not go well, go down. The well.
0: next the next podcast I want to hear about that that story.
1: Oh, ask Harry Josh if you talk to him.
0: Okay, will <laughs> ask do. Him about
1: how I painted him into a Bollywood like some like crazy Bollywood actor because I was stoned and I just kept putting makeup on his face.
0: <laughs> uh, do you have a photo?
1: No, I. Oh, don't, I wish. But he might. <laughs>
0: That's so funny.
1: Oh God. Um, how do you
0: ask everybody this question on our way out and I wanted to know if you were able to step into a magic time machine and go back in time where would you meet yourself and what would you tell yourself
1: um probably like when I was in my 20s and assisting and so like hungry and desperate um to make it I would step back I would step in there and just have like a calm little talk and remind that person that they didn't have to um be so hungry and thirsty that they would always be nourished and that they could just kind of take their time and it will all be okay
0: yeah that's great advice
1: yeah i mean yeah i just that that young version of myself was but i was you know i didn't know better you know so i i just that's what you do right you, you have, to have to go through that evidence. too
0: to realize what, that you that's not the way to live.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know?
0: Patty, I thank you so much for um talking with me. I, I really feel like I got to know you in a lot of ways that I didn't know before. And you're thank really open you. and honest conversation. So thank you so much.
1: Thank you so and, much. It was so great. I can't wait to see what you're seeing he- well, hear what you're doing with all these. What is the name of the story? They've
0: series? all been in my chair.
1: Uh-huh. Okay. and
0: it was really inspired by the conversations that we have with our clients when they're in our chair and oh, like you know, start with beauty, but they go, as you know, the conversations go anywhere. And it's like, um, they're just, it's, a, there's so much more to everybody that we work with so much more underneath it all underneath the beauty, um, that I wanted to actually show that side of us. And, um, I have to say, I had no idea that these interviews would be so, interesting and so different. Like everyone is so different. And um, Mm -hmm. it's really a testament to the people that we work with, that we are, you know, during COVID, like we've been really like hit amongst the hardest. We have nothing, no work, no insurance, nothing to fall back on. And, you know, we work with a lot of awesome people.
1: Yeah, it's so true. Well, thank you for doing this. I can't wait to hear
0: yeah all right, okay Patty I hope to see you soon in l a okay and do i do I all
1: stay right. on there?